0: Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Today, I'm joined by Guy Davies, Head of Fundamental Active Equities. Welcome, Guy. Thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks, Daniel. Uh, Hello to our listeners. I hope you are safe and well.
0: As we're all very much aware, we're in the midst of a, a geopolitical, arguably global crisis. One of the few things perhaps that we can say about those are that they're unpredictable and and very challenging, certainly from an investment point of view, when you can't predict what might happen in the way that we're used to by having Excel spreadsheets and models in history. This can move in many different directions. Nonetheless, Guy, I believe the way you try to manage your portfolios is with a longer-term view. So you don't necessarily want to be swung uh, back and forth by by daily events and, and headlines. Nonetheless, you do have to take uh, account of what's happening in the world. So with those two challenges, what have you been doing in your portfolios over the last few weeks?
1: Okay, well, th- well, thanks very much, Daniel. And you asked me a similar question a couple of years back. And that reminds me of the the alarming regularity that these events are coming through. Um, I think I responded back then by emphasizing the need to avoid knee-jerk reactions. So macro is dominating sentiment, resulting in volatility, and that can offer some interesting entry points, uh, but it's also important to avoid the temptation to to trade so much. So clearly within this, all of our exposures are multifaceted. So, for example, if we assess geographic exposure in terms of a company's listing, the physical location of offices and so on, and then revenues, one step further is to assess associated implications. So, for example, how surging energy prices impact inflation through to growth prospects, uh, monetary policy, the shape of the yield curve, and then our ongoing assessments and discussion of terminal rates and interest rate sensitivity, which there was really dominating our discussions at the turn of the year and, and in Q4 last year. But what does all of that actually mean? Well, from a, a portfolio management perspective, the priority through periods of, of market stress and market distress, I should say, is really to avoid a permanent loss of capital. Many of our strategies have also got established benchmarks, as you know, so we also keep a very close eye on benchmark relative positioning. So practically speaking, what are we doing? Well, we're focused on liquidity uh, and in certain strategies, reducing smaller cap exposure in favor of reinforcing higher conviction names. We're looking to improve portfolio balance and that's by barbelling defensive positioning alongside higher conviction growth names that many of which will have derated and we've also been accepting and augmenting positions on weakness.
0: I think one of the challenges as always trying to assess uh, what the market quote unquote has has priced in and you know on one hand you you can argue that the links to Russia for Europe for for the US are not necessarily so great and that therefore the economic impact shouldn't necessarily be so great. Uh, for example, if you look at revenue share uh, for companies, and even in the MSCI uh, All Country World Index, it's only about 1.3%. Uh, yet we have markets down much more than that, close 15% uh, in some countries in Europe. Now, of course, that reflects not only the macroeconomic. Uh, impact that we can try to assess right now. Uh, but downside scenarios, uh, whether we get further sanctions that are more damaging uh, to the West, or and probably one of the more pessimistic scenarios, you get a cutoff in oil and or natural gas supplies. All of this, though, I think tells us we are going to be facing a more challenging economic environment this year than we anticipated, Uh, higher inflation and arguably lower growth because of that inflation. So we get to uh, a higher or more stagflationary environment than we had anticipated. That's certainly challenging for central bankers. How do you face that challenge from an equity point of view?
1: Well, accepting shocks, I'm not so sure about stag stagflation, but I, I'd agree that growth is becoming increasingly scarce. So far we, we haven't seen major corrections uh, to earnings, although yeah, clearly emerging markets and to a lesser extent Europe are becoming uh, well are, are bearing the strain of the current situation. Um that said, higher commodity and energy prices are likely to have an impact on earnings for for corporates overall in aggregate. And it's very clear from our perspective that sentiment is becoming more focused on cash flow and pricing power as opposed to growth. And it's also interesting when we look at sentiment and you mentioned sentiment, you look at the market movements relative to the impact of certain specific events. If from a flows or technical perspective, the retail investor, which is estimated to be up to about 25% of the US market is continuing to impact prices. Um, And that's something that, you know, is an added element to the market as we move forward. So you know in circumstances like this, you know portfolio balance is super important. We may expect to see you know, the more defensive value areas from healthcare, utilities, staples performing well, and that you know, potentially performing well alongside growth names with established moats. You know, so for example, technology, where we've seen some of the more significant repricing and derating over Q4 and the quarters of date. And it's also important to emphasize that I think as stock pickers, we're able to find good quality companies that with identified catalysts have the potential to become great stocks. And that's, I think, is really important to emphasize through through periods. Um, of of significant stress that, you know, our ability to find good companies and good opportunities is still there. And with that in mind, I'm thinking about, for example, the environmental space. So, so some longer term, longer duration growth assets that have, in many instances, been derated in excess of the market, whilst they have very specific catalysts in addition to the broad thematic support. So, in our view, know, yeah, there's a good, gl- very good upside potential uh, within those individual uh, names.
0: I think it's really important the point you raise about the outlook for earnings because, on one hand, you know, it, it seems clear that commodity-linked sectors are actually going to see uh, or likely to see uh, earnings estimates increase. But then the impact on the other sectors in the market, as you point out, is really going to depend on their pricing power. Uh, input costs may go up, but if they're able to, to pass those costs along, margins don't necessarily uh, have to decline all that much if we do try to look ahead uh, and we all hope for a a quick resolution and a positive resolution to the crisis uh, and then with that ideally a rebound in the market so i would imagine at least thinking about what you might do uh, when we get to that point what are you anticipating might be the styles the countries regions sectors uh, where there are going to be opportunities that you hadn't anticipated
1: it's a good question daniel and here, to your point on on earnings, here, we, we believe that earnings uh, or stock prices reflect earnings ultimately, and you know, stock prices do mean revert. So it's about, you know, that longer-term view allows us to take a more fundamental view on the earnings and power of underlying businesses. Um, and as you know, the positioning for many of our strategies reflects that bottom-up, longer-term assessment of, of the companies. Um, and that... of itself includes considerations of interest rate and inflation sensitivity, uh, in addition to country risks, which are clearly so so prominent at the moment. So perhaps, um, maybe the best way of answering that is by giving a 10,000 foot view of our current positioning, which, in aggregate, I'd say by style, um, we're still tilted towards growth, albeit it's more muted. the value exposure that we have is tilted towards more defensive value over cyclicals. From a sector perspective, we're neutral to slightly overweight financials. Um, this is an area that we've talked about in the past: um, neutral banks, overweight insurance, accepting uh, China where we're underweight financials. And from an all-cap perspective, so looking at our at our all-cap strategies, exposure is tilted away from larger cap uh, relative to benchmarks, albeit noting the comment I made earlier that you know we are paying a lot of attention to reinforcing our higher conviction names, which has meant that we've actually reduced some of our small cap tilt in certain of our, our strategies. If you were to bend my arm, I guess, on which countries and sectors I see entry points, well, The first I've mentioned, so the environmental space and renewables, um, that reflects specific catalysts, the inevitable thematic shift that we're seeing, and then an increased urgency for energy independency. The second, I would say is technology and, or select technology and consumer discretionary names, given the combination of deep moats, which I think is gonna be extremely important moving forward, given the environment we just talked about, There's still growth within some of these names and reflecting the fact that growth in our world is becoming slightly more scarce and there are also improved valuations. So that's on a very select basis, so stop picking there. And then by country, I'd highlight China, which from my perspective is arguably much further through the cycle, some attractive valuations and clearly remains a very significant engine for global growth.
0: Thank you very much, Guy. If I can highlight a couple of the points that you made, fundamentally, uh, you're long-term investors and your goal is to, among many things, avoid a permanent loss of capital. Consequently, you're now focusing on liquidity uh, in this environment, uh, nonetheless taking advantage of the volatility to selectively increase exposure to some higher conviction names, uh, at the same time pursuing a barbell approach and, and adding some defensive positions. In general, we're in an environment of perhaps more inflation and a bit less growth, so the focus when you look at companies is on cash flow and on pricing power. Broadly, the orientation of the portfolio seems to be a bit towards uh, growth uh, and within value towards defensive value. And then when we think about opportunities, I think we all appreciate uh, that environmental focus funds, renewables, energy independence are going to be an even more important theme in the future uh, than they already were before the crisis. And finally, in terms of the regions, interestingly, a focus on China, where you see attractive valuations and still a critical source of global growth. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you'd like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out our Investors Corner blog. For listeners who have devices with Alexa, you can ask Alexa to enable Investment Insights or search for Investment Insights on Amazon under the category Alexa Skills. My thanks to Guy for sharing his insights. Thank you, Guy.
1: Pleasure, Daniel. Thanks very much for inviting me.
0: Please join me next when I'll be speaking with Denis Panell on how you manage a multi-asset portfolio in these challenging times. Until then, we hope you stay safe and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BMP Paribas Asset Management.